You're listening to the Functional Nerds Podcast with your hosts, Patrick Hester and Tracy Townsend. Now that's the reaction we yeah, want, Tracy. Yeah, that must have been deeply satisfying for you. you, you I mean... You would not even our, our guest here. I don't think has a has a full appreciation of the saga of stone faces that you've no. dealt <laughs> with for the last several guests. Are you kidding me? Who, whose level of professionalism exceeds our own? Yes, and last time when he was here, we didn't have video, so it's true. He has, That's he had true. no clue going in that yeah. Grogu was going to show up. Yeah, so, that was awesome. Speaking, I'm sitting here and I'm, I'm trying to be like. You know, okay, you know, they're, they're getting themselves in the zone, and then all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> a little tiny dude, rocking out. Yep, going to do Ed the Manning, thing. Yep. <laughs> uh, well, those of you who've been listening uh, since my early days, anyway, jumping into the podcast uh, back in 2020, uh, which seems like a bazillion years ago now, remember uh, or may remember the voice that you just heard a moment ago. That's Brandon Crilly, um, one of my friends from Ottawa, out in Canada. And in addition to having a debut novel, a debut um, fantasy RPG supplement, short fiction, and even more games writing for the Arkham Gazette upcoming, has had a hella busy year. Brandon, how the hell are you? Uh, good. I, I, I vaguely recall last time um, you mentioned the fact that I seem to wear many hats, and I feel like I'm wearing yeah. more and different hats than I was. Yeah, you just your your whole like like um, hat management situation is completely out of control. Yeah. Uh, you do have a you have an assistant now though, which I, I consider to be deeply fancy. It yeah. is. It, yeah, I, I hesitate to tell. I, for a while, I hesitated to tell anybody about it because it made me feel very fancy and and like ridiculous and then I was like no I need my assistant to live and so I'm going to tell you because <laughs> holy crap and uh, it's been yeah. wonderful yeah, yeah I'm very 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 lucky to have it that's, that's yeah see um, I, I thought about getting an assistant and I, I figured I couldn't afford it so I got a dog and boy did not six in one hand nor half a dozen in the other <laughs> nope as they just placed an order of $45 for more shit for him today so uh, yeah. I'm telling you corn snake is the way to go man snake snake a uh, <laughs> little lot of upfront cost a little maintenance cost it's fine and to clarify, Brandon means as as a pet and not as a food stuff. Um, so oh, really, yeah. Okay. Probably yes, don't want to try oh. feeding corn snake to Ronan. Um, no, no, that, it might be no. interested. You never know. Maybe yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it'd be a bad it's scene. Funny. It's funny because the uh, the general listeners haven't heard about Ronan yet. Uh, only the Ooh. only the Patreon listeners have. So that's kind of funny. Uh, yeah, so the the patron episode which we recorded this week is like a solid hour of of <laughs> the 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 saga of Ronin and the squeeing oh, over nice. Ronin. The squeeing, in fairness to Patrick, is really me. Patrick, you know, behaves like an adult person insofar as Ronan is concerned and makes mature decisions like positive reinforcement and ignoring negative behaviors. It's a really good thing we're not in the same state because, like, if I were. <laughs> If I were in the same zip code as Ronan, I would be like, who's mommy's boy? That's right. You sure you get in my lap right now. You want this food from the table? Yes, you do. And it would just, oh man. Um, I would destroy all of Patrick's maturely guided efforts. And um, I got to be honest with you, I'm really kind of digging the reversal there because it's kind of not our usual vibe. Yeah. I was going to say, she's only saying this, Brandon, because I did the exact same thing with her kids. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, see, that's it was weird. Gonna... It was like, "Hey, Corwin, who's your pretty boy? Who's your pretty boy?" And he's like, "I'm I'm 15 years old. What the fuck is happening?" No, it was it was more it was more along the lines of, "Okay, now that we're away from the dock, you guys want to drive the boat?" And I'm like, "Yeah, we oh, do." Damn. <laughs> Oh man! Yeah, is- we got a we got a, a bitchin' video of of Deirdre. It's kind of hard to do donuts on a lake and a pontoon, oh God, and she's yet so hard. She tried. Um, oh. Yeah, she was really. <laughs> she wanted to whiplash her her brother real good. Um, she just does this slow ponderous spin. <laughs> but she was committed to it, and Corwin has no sea legs to speak of, and so like even that limited uh, centripetal force was enough to be like for him <laughs> so, like, oh lord um so as you can we, tell we've done a lot since you've last been here I, it's been a spell it's been a while yeah 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 last time i, I was I, I was hunkering down in the bedroom of my one bedroom apartment so as not to disturb the nemesis and because there was mad construction outside downtown and mm, now i'm yeah yeah comfortably in the suburbs and now you've gone through other things like mad protests downtown and like yeah, mad end of lockdowns downtown and just yeah. you know, Ottawa well, Ottawa's bopping. Oh yeah. Not only that, <laughs> Not but like from from you know, from a completely American uh perspective and point mm-hmm. of view, uh you know, we we in America understand that like ninety percent of Canada's economy came from the television show Supernatural being filmed there. Yeah, pretty much. So with that show being canceled, like, are you guys in a recession? Like, what's going on? It's, it's rough. We're trying. We're trying to attract. I've heard as as many additional shows as we can, regardless <laughs> of quality. Just please come here. Do you want? Do you want to film in Sudbury? No one knows where Sudbury is. Do you want to film there? Sure. Let's go film in Sudbury. Yeah. yeah. So it must be. It must be hard as more and more CW shows are being canceled. <laughs> it's terrible. We're watching with bated breath. All the newspapers. It's all they're talking about. Nothing politics. Nothing education. No. It's just all. It's, all yeah. it's like, oh my god. Oh, the CW's canceling shows. What are we gonna do? Yeah. No, Trudeau's opened a whole, a whole other ministry office just for. This <laughs> oh movie. yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Why? Well, I mean, <laughs> what else is he gonna do? I don't know why that's the first thought that came to mind. That's <laughs> <laughs> fine. It's not like he's busy. Yeah. No, he's not. He's totally not. He probably is. I don't. I don't. Yeah. I don't have any particularly <laughs> ill feelings toward our current prime minister. I say totally not for safety reasons. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely not. It's, it's fine. I mean, I mean, what's oh god? What's a what's a threat in in Canada? Like, what's a political threat in Canada? You're gonna you're gonna like get cut off from Tim Hortons? Like, <laughs> basically, yeah, yeah. No, it, it, like, it's mm. it, I don't, I don't even know. There is no level. Like, we have the occasion. Like, I mean, not to get serious for a second. We have the occasional thing, but it's now yeah. like you look at what happens here versus what happens in certain other parts of the world that shall remain nameless, um, and it, it's like night and day. And yeah, like 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 our our you know Trudeau will just walk down the street downtown. Nobody bugs yeah. him. Like yeah. you know, it just or if, you know people have cage like, but he doesn't have to worry about anything. And that you know, he gets yeah, it, it's it's a totally yeah. different setup up here. See, I can't even I think- do that because I walk down the street and people ask me to get stuff off the of high shelves. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think you know we don't need to worry so much about remaining nameless because we as Americans recognize that we are the kind of sketchy neighbors who have a toilet on our lawn um, and <laughs> and lots of cars in various states of deconstruction and yeah. flags of uncertain provenance hanging from poles all the time yeah. with spotlights on them and yeah, a little bit. yeah and so we we recognize that we're 
you know, we we might just be bringing the property values down a little bit. <laughs> just a tad. Um, and, and unfortunately, up here, everyone's aware of it. Like I'll tee, like I, yeah, oh, like yeah. my day job. I talked about, I talked about I think the last time um, my high school history and social science teacher, and so inevitably we talk about the United States. And and my the joke that always lands with my students every single time is. Like I'll talk about, you know, pre-Second World War United States and, and I'll say, you know, it's very different from the America that we know and love today. And they just start howling. And I'm like, okay, good. We're all on the same page. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. He said we love America. It's adorable. Uh, they still think we're polite. <laughs> <laughs> we, 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 uh, was it, we hide it under a veneer of, of smiles and maple syrup. Oh, sure. Yeah. It's, it's the bless your heart of North American relationships. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. 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 Really, it really kind of is. So, all right. I mean, we, I mean, while we could like bag on ourselves in an international context, <laughs> endlessly, that is probably not the best. Probably not. I, I, this, this is the disclaimer where I say I have many lovely American friends. Oh, sure. <laughs> sure. Yeah. yeah. No, I've seen it. I, I have the ocular proof indeed. Um, Brand, yes. Brandon's assistant is listening to this and going, oh my God, what are Why are you stupid? Now I got to do damage control <laughs> again. I'm just going to contact Trudeau and like line up a press conference. It's going to be a whole thing. So, yeah. Will it sell books? Uh, ooh, I don't know. Maybe. Um, I mean, if you're, if, if like, let's be more scandalous. That could only help. No bad press, right? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Um, <laughs> so, one of the things that struck to me as I was like refreshing my memory of all of the Brandon things was I was like, oh my god, your debut novel, Catalyst, and your Bestiarium Vocabulum came out in the same month. In the they same both came out always. in October. Yeah. Um, of 2022, which means uh, congratulations on being alive here in January 2023 first. Uh, well done. Well played there. Um, but I, 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 one of the things I had to sort of sit back and be like, all right, these are such different animals. And, and although obviously writing a fantasy novel and writing a supplement for fantasy role-playing games, there's like a real Venn diagram crossover there. It is also for very different audiences. Like the writing is fundamentally different. The structures of it is fundamentally different. You're you're essentially creating an engaging reference book over here, but creating a a sort of like independent narrative over there. Um, one you're trying to create so that it can be sort of like housed within lots of different fantasy RPG universes. The other you're creating with the specific goal of of a very lived in clear universe of your own creation um, that is not to be confused with others. How do you compartmentalize that? <laughs> that, How does that work? That is an excellent <laughs> question. <laughs> um, so one, um, one of the, I think, probably saving graces for, for me and why I survived 2022 um, was that both projects were, were very different stages. Like when, um, when I sold Catalyst um, to Athos Arts, my publisher, um, like, you know, the, the draft was... Yeah, it had already been through like eight revisions or something. And so um, the notes, like, so I spent 2022, you know, the first half of it um, doing not a, not like a whole rewrite, but doing, you know, very point and very specific revisions based on, on notes from Emily, my editor. And so it was very much my editor brain that was in play there. Whereas, you know, the stuff for the bestiary for, for Fat Goblin Games, that was just kind of raw creation. So that was one easy way to kind of compartmentalize that. Um, and which I've always done. Like I, like I like to have surprising no one. I like to have many projects going on at once. Um, and, 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 but often I'll have, you know, one thing I'm drafting, one thing I'm editing, and, and that's kind of the way that I keep them straight. Um, but, uh, but it was tough sometimes because like any, you know, 
anyone who's read Catalyst probably knows this, that um, I very deliberately don't, um, I, I very deliberately don't explain, like overly explain what's going on in the world. I kind of, you know, for better or the worse. The deep end. Yeah. 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 Throw you right in. And, and, and I do that deliberately. And, and, you know, it takes you a few chapters to kind of figure out what's going on and, and hopefully you come along for the ride. You can't do that in a, in something like, like a fantasy uh, or an RPG supplement. And so I would catch myself like writing kind of vague allusions to things in, in the descriptions for all the monsters in the bestiary. And then I'd be like, Oh crap, I can't. And that's, that's not gonna make any sense. They have no idea what the hell I'm talking about. But thankfully, because I was working with Jeff Gander, who's um, another Ottawa author, uh, we were kind of tag teaming the bestiary. Then he he would catch that and be like, "Okay, wait, hold on, like you know, what's this? What's that?" And then once I got you know, once the edits were done on Catalyst, and I had only the bestiary to focus on, then I'd be like, "Okay, now I'm going to focus my attention in here and and just be as explicit and straightforward as I possibly can." Yeah, yeah. So I, I you also had the chance in working on the bestiary to do something that I've always thought would be super cool to do, but never had the chance to work it in creating a text where it's illustrated throughout mm-hmm. because every one of the creatures that you're, that you're imagining, and it's, it's important to sort of back up for a little bit and to say in the case of, of fat goblin games as bestiarium vocabulum that we're talking about here, it's not just meant to be like transferable to lots of different sorts of fantasy RPG settings, mm-hmm. but specifically to kind of push back against basic visions and tropes and stuff. So it's not just like, here's a brown goblin and here's a goblin that's purple and wears a different hat. Um, yeah, exactly. but like, yeah, sort of trying to imagine different, um, different, different, like literal physical structures of creatures, different social structures, different, different lots of things. Um, so that we're always kind of generating new fantasy here. So I, I have to, it, in how many of these cases was it like you got an illustration and they were like, make thing or was it like make thing and then based on thing make illustration or or was it kind of a, a mix of these these movements um it was a hundred percent um here are all the illustrations write the beasts um because rick hershey who's the publisher he, he's been doing these kind of illustrations on his personal patreon for i don't know how many years and so he had this huge catalog of creatures and and many of which it was just like you know somebody would say oh i want to you know a skeleton covered in gore. Here's a skeleton covered in gore. Or I would like a uh, something that looks kind of like a Pegasus, but not quite. Um, and so he just had these things, but with no descriptions. And so he like I think we ended up with 100 and, 151, 152 or something monsters in the book. He's got half again as many sketches, maybe more than that, that we just didn't include. So it was all just here's the art, and quite literally, just make whatever you want. And I had maybe a list of twenty. 20 or so um, creatures that I like, I couldn't use. Like I couldn't just have a Pegasus. I couldn't just have a gargoyle. I couldn't just have a, um, you know, a brown dragon. And, and for a variety of reasons, they were like, these are the no-gos, which in some cases, you know, I had to really think outside the box when the sketch is like, okay, but that, that is a Pegasus. <laughs> Wait a minute. But, but it ended up being very fun. Cause then I really had to think outside the box and like, okay, I can't make it a Pegasus. What can it be instead? And those sometimes became my, like the creatures that I like best because it's something, you know, totally outside of what you would normally expect when yeah. you see that art initially. Did you, did you get any art that you, you looked at it and you said, what the fuck is this? Oh yeah. Oh wait, oh, wait, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Hold on. You're from Canada. Did you get any art that you said, what the darn shit <laughs> is this? Oh, come on. I'm pretty sure we curse more than you do. 
is just very soft and under our breath. Britain and France. You have to believe that the F-bomb is flowing with beauteous fullness. If I had a nickel for every time I've accidentally cursed in front of my students, oh, man. Yeah, Yeah, no, it's bad. Uh, No, but, yeah, we had, like, there there were a few where I, like, it was funny, like Jeff and I, we, the way we would do it is we would look at whatever section of the book we were doing, whether it's Undead or, or Monstrosities or whatever, and, and we'd look at the art. And I, I'm, we never actually talked about this, but I'm, I'm sure that we, we it was like, who's going to get to it first and pick the ones that like aren't, <laughs> <laughs> that we know we can write to? Um, and because there were always a few that I'm like, I don't know, but I, I have no idea what this is. Like, it, like or, or it, it's like, like the art is lovely, but I have no, there's nothing coming to mind in terms of how to describe this. And um I'm not even sure how I got through it other than through lots of caffeine, but (laughs) I imagine at a certain point, like you also start doing kind of a meta arrangement of it where you're like, okay, Mm -hmm. we've got 20 monsters in the undead section. That's pretty robust for undead. We should probably shouldn't, if any of these are sort of like questionable in terms Mm -hmm. of how we're going to identify or describe them, let's not make them undead. We're kind of full Mm -hmm. up there already. Mm -hmm. And so on some level there's, there's the trying to let the image speak to you and make it organic and make it feel natural and a certain amount of like, whoa, 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 time out. Like no more Faye. Like we're done yeah. with Faye. Like we have enough Faye or like, oh no, somehow we managed to do 149 of these and we have no Faye. Now what do we do? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. And even like on the other side, like as, as I was doing, you know, so like to use the Faye section as an example, it's like, okay, I've done you know, I've, I've written descriptions for three fae that are kind of, you know, aloof and ephemeral. Okay, I can't do another aloof ephemeral fae. I got to do something that's a little bit different. Um, mm-hmm. Or, you know, like I, I've, you know, I've, I've done, like we have a section on constructs and it's like, okay, I, I can't have every single one just be, you know, a wizard made it and it stands guard. Like I can maybe get away with that twice. And then I need like, so that, so that was like that, I don't even know to call it a limitation, like that desire to have every single monster be as different as we possibly could. It was mm-hmm. even more creative fuel really. Um, to to re- like to really make something that I hope um, gives people a lot of a lot of fuel, a lot of ammunition to throw to their players, something like that. Yeah, yeah something like that. Th- th- there's a metaphor there. Yeah. So Patrick, you you played uh, Pathfinder just about every weekend, yeah? Ooh. Or is it D and D? I used to uh, now, but Giles makes me play D and D because he's cruel and uh, oh right, yeah. He, does, he right. doesn't like me to be able to look things up on my iPad and. Not have to pay a subscription for them. He's uh, yes. he's yeah. that dungeon master. You know, he's just right. so he's, cruel and probably just <laughs> think of this. Yeah. And, that's yeah. Denying it, denying it thoroughly, <laughs> unjust. Now, I I, I I I love Pathfinder. I always loved Pathfinder. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, back when Sutter was in charge of the books mm-hmm. uh, and the fiction and stuff, uh, got really into it. They sent me a bunch of stuff, including like the beginner's box. Nice. So I, I really liked Pathfinder. Uh, D and D. It's funny. D and D kind of feels corporate to me, and mm-hmm. Pathfinder. I wonder feels why. Almost That's... indie. <laughs> even really before going all the on stuff right going on, yeah. Even before all the stuff <laughs> going on right now with the OGL. Uh, but like it, the the thing that always really bothered me about D and D, it's like I didn't have a problem with it. Giles said, "Hey, let's play D and I'm like, "Okay." I went to buy the books because I'm the guy who I like to have my own copies of the books mm-hmm. for all sorts of reasons, including the fact that if I'm flipping through someone else's book and they have dog-eared a page, I want them arrested. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so I have to have my own copies of, of books for Train my own. Ronan, uh, fat Ronan, yeah. kill. And, uh, but the thing is, when I bought the Pathfinder books, it's like, here's a Pathfinder book and here's the download for the PDF. 
mm-hmm. when you buy the D&D book, it's like, here's the book. Oh, and by the way, go subscribe to D&D Beyond. Well, fuck yeah, you. which has always driven me nuts. Like, I don't want to do that. I, I yeah. just want a PDF on my on my iPad. And people yeah. are like, well, you can get them. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to steal. That's not who I am. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to do that. Mm-hmm. So it just always mm-hmm. made me. Anyway, that I don't. We kind of went around and around and around with your question, Tracy. What was what was the well, question? What, what I was going to get to is like, it, do you have any like sharp memories of of like a homebrew creature or homebrew something that or, that you ran into where you're like, oh, that was actually a really interesting session or hard fight? No, or, uh, most of the time. So most of the time uh, when I've been when I've played recently in recent years, people have pretty much stuck to prefab characters yeah. that I remember and recall. Like they just pull something out. They might tweak it slightly, but mm-hmm. they pull something out of a, of a uh, you know, the monster's compendium or whatever the frick it's mm-hmm. called. Yeah. And uh, you know, that kind of stuff. So I, I haven't, I haven't run into a, a full grown homegrown thing yet that I'm aware of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I haven't even like, in terms of my, like I'm not DMing anything, anything right now, but I, like, I haven't even created my own homebrew thing in forever um, other than like writing for this, obviously, because there's so much out there. Like if you, if you have a, yeah. an idea and what you mind for a monster guaranteed, somebody has done something yeah. relatively close and started it. And it's, the whole thing. and it's an easy shortcut, right? You just grab, yeah. you just grab what's already out there and, and go like we mm-hmm. had the dude on who had the thing and was talking about the stuff and had the whole, <laughs> Oh, that guy <laughs> had, had, had like the whole, here's how I create stuff. And, you know, I don't remember, but it was, it was like, yeah, I, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to create something from scratch. Oh, that was the the stars um, play format. I don't remember. It wasn't okay. that long ago. He was a yeah. He was a D and D guy. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. But right. he but he wrote unofficial D and D stuff, right? And he had he had the whole oh, he had I like think a you're whole talking about formula. Neil. Yeah, yeah, for how he was going to be, you know, creating characters. And here's my got it. Blah blah blah. Too much math. Not going mm. to copy paste uh, from here. No. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Got it. Got it. <laughs> yeah. I hear that. I, I want to play a game. I don't want homework. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Pretty much. So, it, I mean, a while back, actually, um, a couple weeks ago, you and I were checking in with each other, and I mentioned that I was going to be teaching a Stranger Things intercession. Intercession is that like funky week Uh-oh. in between Uh-oh. semesters that Uh-oh. we do. Um, <laughs> and so, naturally, more that. jealous of your day job. <laughs> so, so naturally, because of it being Stranger Things themed. For for background here, um, I, I every year I co-teach a different, very, very like geek wheelhouse um, week-long class with a guy in the history department uh, at my school who is lovely and we get along great and our interests largely align with each other. And this year he wanted to do Stranger Things. And because he's a historian, the specific angle of it that he was interested in is like Stranger Things in the context of the 1980s, because as Brandon is also painfully aware of being a high school teacher, like our students are best case scenario. And this is not necessarily best because they probably flunked a few grades if they're like they were born in like 2004 and beyond at this point. Right. Yeah. And so they I mean, the 80s is like the most theoretical of theoretical constructs to them. Oh, yeah. And so it's not as if you can, you can you can go ahead and watch Stranger Things and enjoy it without having any personal knowledge of the 80s or having lived through any part of it. Millions of people do. Mm-hmm. But 
there's there's a lot of stuff in it that I would say ascends above the level of the Easter egg to being like, no, 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 there's there's things in this you're going to legitimately appreciate differently if you know something about the 80s. Mm-hmm. And so he wanted to do it as kind of like, here is the historical context of the 80s that's relevant to. And so he took care of like major historical events and I took care of like the mise-en-scene and the, the different sort of like the, the movie references and the... Um, the film references of different types and the, the music references and blah, blah, blah. And of course we had to talk satanic panic and dungeons and dragons. Mm. And so the end hold, hold of the on, week, hold on. I'm stuck. I'm stuck on you doing TV and movie stuff. What? Look, <laughs> I didn't say that I was always bad at television and movies. I am just okay. currently bad at television and movies. So up until about like the year 2005, I was amazingly on top of it with all of this stuff. Then 2005 happened, and shortly afterwards, Corwin happened, and it was all mm. downhill from there. Um, wow, anyway. you're blaming your kids. That's yeah, up. yeah, actually, I am. Yeah, I would. It's, yeah, it's legit. <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> so anyway, um, the end of the week project was for the one part of the thesis for us for the week was. To some extent, every big bad they face in Stranger Things is like a like a it, it's it's a homebrew monster that is an encapsulation of some set of social anxieties or fears that are very particular to the eighties. So, like the idea of mind control and you know mm. Russian spies, the idea of the literal like predator in the middle of the night that comes and selectively takes snatches your kids is very much it's 10 o'clock do you know where your children are and, and the mm-hmm. whole demogorgon thing yeah, in I season one I right those. um that you know later when we get to vecna that vecna becomes this kind of like stand-in for um you know kids who are lost in the shuffle of absentee parenting and so on and and mm-hmm. various other things and like they all they all sort of embody different anxieties about the era and so their job was to come up with a homebrew monster mm-hmm. of some kind that didn't have to conform to a real TTRPG system they could just make up stats that meant whatever and whatever that would give us a, a look into a, a monster of the now like what would the monster that represents now be and wow they came up with some shit um wow. it was amazing like some of the kids came up with monsters that like represent adults fear of kids having bodily autonomy and so it was like a puppet thing that like gets inside like it puts like, these ganglia in the back of your head and stuff oh, um and other people came up with a monster that represents is represents misinformation and disinformation and Ooh. it warps your perceptions uh, with, you know, illusions of various kinds and makes you attack people who care about you and assert false claims and various things. But it was like, whoa. This and sounds awesome. It was kind of fun. And some of them, of course, were just like hellaciously goofy because the kids <laughs> were just like, this thing is called Harriet and her power is she is old. <laughs> and we're like, <laughs> we're like, and? To be like, Harriet eats children. And we're like, is that a common issue right now on a literal or <laughs> metaphorical level? And they're like, nope, I guess not. She eats babies. And we're like, cool. You just gingerbread house that shit right up. Um, <laughs> I, I, I would have come up with something like multi-headed. Like what are the Gorgon or is it the Hydra that is multi-headed? Hydra. Uh, yeah. Hydra. So I would yeah, have done go- like a Hydra called uh, the Congress. Mm. Oh, I like that. Mm. 
<laughs> every time you every time you cut off one of them, a couple more. <laughs> Two more <come> yeah. <laughs> and they're even stupider. <laughs> yeah, the, the intelligence drops. Oh, that's no. actually good. I like that. Oh, yeah, no. the more heads you put together, the stupider they get. Oh, the only man. way to defeat them is through gerrymandering. <laughs> uh, like, you have to, like there's an ancient sword called gerrymandering. And you just have, have, to, like, <laughs> have I ever told you that in high school, my friends and I played Dungeons and Dragons at lunchtime in the school library? Oh, oh my cool. God. You, you, you were like a, you were like actually an 80s film. Oh my we god! Were. This is, yeah, this and, is and amazing. Okay, funny, tell me all about this. So, number one, it's funny that the librarians let us because yeah. they weren't quiet. No mm-hmm. uh, and number two, we always drew like a crowd. Oh so wow! They would come and performance just Dungeons play. and Dragons. You were Critical yeah, Role before there was Critical Role. <laughs> they owe you money now. Posers. I was going to say, yeah, <laughs> they stole and, the and those are the days of the Red Box. Uh, mm-hmm. So we we and we had I, I had actually ended up buying all of them. So I had the red one, the blue one, uh, the black one, yeah, the teal one, and the silver. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Uh, and then we also had AD and D, the hardcovers, because we'd gotten those used at uh, what was the Wonderland Wonderland Comics. Okay. Oh, yeah. I did not like Wonderland Comics because that was the place mm-hmm. where you went in. They didn't have a lot of lights. Everything was just kind of stacked up. And the guy who ran the place uh, was always barefoot and just like walking through the place. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I oh. heard I heard later on that the, that it burned down, and it was oh. uh, the suspicion was that uh, he had burned it down for the insurance money. the insurance uh, money. Uh, oh, what it happened? Yeah. But uh, that was the place you went to find all the, the like used stuff. But yeah, we 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 played in the library uh, at lunchtime at school at a public so, high school. Oh well, yeah, that, that's it. Yeah, in the, the time, in the in the late eighties. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I was at a different time now, but um, this may give you hope uh, for the future. But um, I am the supervisor for my school's D and D club at work, and we nice. play at lunch. Nice. And there's uh, what is it, seven or eight tables running? We had, we had to find the biggest room we could. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, like I put it out, the, the couple of kids came and they like, oh, can we do a D and D club? I'm like, sure. And I expected like ten kids or something, and we had sixty. Wow. It took us awesome. weeks to get organized. I'm like, okay, we got to like, and a whole bunch of people were like, I've never played before, but it sounds cool. Excellent. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. here's your second level fighter. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You're going to have a blast. <laughs> you need one more hit die so you don't die in the first kobold attack. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Oh my gosh. That's really cool. There's, sure. um, I mean, especially given that we're a boarding school, we have a pretty mm. avid role-playing um, environment going on. And I have 100% had kids come up to me to say, I'm really sorry, Ms. Townsend. I need to ask for an extension on this paper because I was up all night finishing the notes for my campaign. Nice. I, like, <laughs> I do appreciate your honesty. Um, so <laughs> like, at least you're level with me there. Well, I'll take that. Sure. Mm-hmm. Fine. Take your extension, kid. Were they good <laughs> notes? Was the session good? No yeah. total party kills? Hmm? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tell me all about it. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. So I mean, we spent a long time talking about, about your gaming work in the yeah. last few months, but I don't want to sleep on the fact that having a novel out you've worked on for a long time, you know, and not your first, um, yep, there it is. Yep. It works no great in the video too. Yeah, yeah. No, it's fine. We saw, <laughs> we saw the cover. Um, it was actually fun for me because when I read it, it was uh, in in digital arc, and so I didn't mm. have have the cover going on. Um, 
Oh, yeah, so, that's right. Yeah, yeah, it's been a minute. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I guess now that you have... Now that you have a novel out, now that you've kind of seen the the discourse that emerges out of that, mm. how has that changed like your relationship to your writing? I mean, you're still oh, producing man. short fiction, you're still producing, but do you feel do you feel pressure on yourself like now must do next novel oh, or does 100%. it feel sort of like no, I did oh yeah, did, okay, yeah. Yeah, no, no, 100% and and um like it, it was like immediately I'm like okay, um what like within a week of the book coming out, I'm like, okay, what am I doing next? And I'm, and I'm already like, like I was already counting in my head the whole mm-hmm. thing of like, okay, I gotta, you know, if I'm going to have another book out in like two or three years, I need to make sure that I'm like, I'm doing all that. And so it, it like, it, yeah. not, not that it sucked the fun out of it, but it, but it, it there was a risk of that. that I was going to get caught up in, okay, I got to make sure that my plan is set up, my year is set up. And, and mm-hmm. um, you know, when am I going to start working on the sequel? And I've got you know, the other book that I'm, I'm finishing up that I have to send it on submission. It's just this whole, so yeah, so there was a whole bunch of pressure, kind of alongside the the genuine thrill and excitement of finally having a book out. Because I knew, like yeah. when I you know I've done all this short short fiction and stuff, but I knew way back, ironically, novels and um, and writing game stuff was always the the top of the pyramid. Like that's what I was going for. And so to have both come out at the same time, <laughs> like right, yeah. Okay, now I've made it. Don't screw it up. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's that. Right? But I mean, Tracy, I imagine it, like, it must have been similar for you. At, like, I mean, yeah, I, in my case, you know, I had a, I had a multi-book contract. So I definitely, it was, it was both like for myself, what do I do next? But also mm-hmm. like there is a timeline that's already been given to me. Right, for, like, fair enough. Um, you know, they, they, they need the next book by X, whatever. Yeah. Um, and so that kind of, put certain deadlines and things in mind. And, you know, everybody has their bingo board. I think of weird experiences <laughs> that they collect yeah. um, that people warn you about. Like this is, mm. this could happen to you or that could happen to you. And on my bingo board, I got to collect for the second book. Um, <laughs> uh, technology error causes you to lose the last 30,000 words of the manuscript oh, three days before it's due to the editor in yeah. final form. Because <laughs> um, as as both of you know, because uh, we've talked writing many, many times together, I, I work from notes and very, very limited things that really, I mean, it's kind of an outline, but to, uh, it's a skeleton. Kind of an outline, but I mean, there's a big difference between I outlined out what's going to happen and the I my, this 500 words explains to me what the last 30,000 words was supposed to be and the 30,000 words are gone and all I have is this 500 words that reminds me how I did it. Yeah. And so <laughs> that was um since then I have I anytime my students are like you want us to write a three-page paper and in two weeks I'm going to die and I'm like <laughs> I get, I get, I get that Samuel L. Jackson's gonna kill you kind of look, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. and I'd be like, I don't even wanna know, like, just know. It was like three thirteen-hour days in a row where I was allowed to to pee and occasionally eat something, but only if I was attached to the computer at the same time. And please don't ask about the logistics of that. It's <laughs> messy in every sense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is why Tracy changed how she writes now, and. Uh, she had, she got like four different printers 
And as she's writing, nice. the printers are also printing out everything. Constant. She gets like a. She even has one of the old like dot matrix printer. Oh yeah, yeah. Give me like you it, tear you know? off the, the guidelines. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah. No, to, to make sure that, that she never loses anything ever again. I could have I could have hired an assistant, but I decided to go with a, a Celtic scribe instead. So they just oh. eliminate draft pages as I nice. go. Um, yeah. Have you have you seen the have you seen the the cartoon of like the monks? And there's like three monks, and one of them's at a desk, and and he's just passed out, and the other two are sitting there, and they go, "Printer's down." Oh yes, I've seen that one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. I like that one. That's one of the reasons because that's kind of like the. That's obviously a different experience because I, um, because I'm coming into this like Atlas has said they want the second one, but there's no timeline on it. It's just like yeah, right. When when, when you get to it, let us know. Mm-hmm. And in my head, I'm like that means I need it to you in three months, which is insane. Uh, but that was my immediate knee jerk response. Was like okay, I gotta get it to you right away. And I'm like no, no, I don't. Um, but I don't like that. I don't have another contract. So that's, that, that's that other little bit of pressure is like, you know, whatever book I'm working on now or the, or the next book I'm going to work on. Now I have to go through the whole process again of finding yeah. a home for it and hope mm-hmm. that perhaps, um, that, that perhaps the fact that I have catalyst out now will give me slightly more cachet than it did sure. when I had nothing. Out, right. So it's, it, it, like it, it, it adds that certain bit of pressure. Um, and when did, when did your book drop? Um, it would have been October 11th. October, a couple months ago. Yeah. Okay, like so the, the, the novelty of having the novel out hasn't worn off yet. No, it is still. Uh, oh, this guy, this guy. Yep. With, yep. The, with, the, with the. Yeah, the rim oh. shot and the whole thing. We don't appreciate him enough, so the sound effects have to appreciate him. I see. You know, it's really. Yeah. <laughs> The best part is I just started responding normally. It yeah. took me a half second yeah. to figure yeah. out what yeah. it That's yeah. the best. <laughs> uh. On the subject of, of um, horrifying rim shots and, uh, <laughs> and sound effects, how are things going with broadcast on the wasteland? Mm. Um, you have you've been busy people. There's the Aurora Awards, of course, and, and, yeah. and giving you some acknowledgement there. It was very lovely. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. The Aurora Award, which, which, if anyone doesn't know, is the the Canadian uh, Science Fiction Fantasy Award um, that mm-hmm. we won for broadcasts, which blew me away. Like I, I had, yeah. because there, there were a whole bunch of awesome uh, people on that ballot. I had no idea that we were going to get it. Um, it. It was magical, and then hilariously, like if anyone if anyone listening to this happens to also listen to broadcasts, you might have noticed that we haven't done another episode since. <laughs> um, <laughs> oops. We're going out on top. <laughs> no, but, no, but it, honestly, and, and Evan and I we haven't really said this publicly yet, but it's not. It'll come in very soon. Like we're both so busy that we actually don't know when we're going to do another one. Like we know we like you know, we both enjoy it, but it's. I mean, you guys know this. Like, like doing a podcast yeah. is a lot of work, and yeah, well, so oh, yeah. we're gonna we're gonna yeah. do one episode. We talked about this two months ago. We're gonna do an episode soon. Um, just the two of us, you know, talking and and. Um, you know, about where we're at uh, career-wise because Evan had a book come out um, shortly mm-hmm. after mine did. And, and so, you know, we're going to talk about that. And the fact that we'd like, we honestly have to put a pin in it um, mm-hmm. and, you know, come back to it uh, at some point when we both have the spoons. Cause, cause that's the, like, you know, we joked about the many hats that I wear, but one thing mm-hmm. that I've tried to become very conscious of is like, you can only wear so many hats. And if you're trying to like, I've spent my whole career trying to do too much at once and, and I'm being very mm-hmm. conscious now, but no, no, I, I'm, you know, I've got, even if I love it all, I have to scale some stuff back. Otherwise, yeah. nothing's going to yeah. be done. That's all. Yeah. 
Yeah, the so fine art of saying no to things. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which which is tough. But yeah, so I mean, will there be more broadcasts? Honestly, I don't know. Um, you know, it, I hope to at some point. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, going out, having won an award, it's not too bad. <laughs> Could be worse. Could be worse. But oh, but you know what? There is going to be. There's what? Going to be picks of the week. Oh. There's going to be picks of the week. Only if Ronan lets me have my hand back. Oh no! <laughs> if you're wondering what the lowest. Uh, yeah. uh, we, 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 we. I was wondering that. I was like, there is a sound effect for this. I remember a sound effect. From last there time. is, <laughs> but 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 Ronan has been really really good. But he's he's also like. Uh, no picks, Dad. Scratch my ear. No picks, Dad. Attention Scratch seeking. my ear. So he, he yeah. came up to me and he grabbed my hand. And he, when I was reaching for the mouse, he wouldn't let me have it back. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so there you go. Picks of the week. So, all right. So, Patrick, um, at least you don't need the mouse for this for this part. What's your pick this week? So I'm picking something that I've picked before. But uh, – now all the episodes have dropped. So episodes, Tracy, are uh, part of television shows. Fascinating. Tell me more. <laughs> all the episodes have now dropped for Willow. Oh. And uh, Willow is on Disney+. Plus. I don't feel like Willow's getting enough attention because I, I, I really enjoyed that show. Mm-hmm. It does not take itself seriously at all. You know, it's it's very much uh, to to go back to the D and D stuff. This is like your D and D group going out okay. and, and, yeah. and doing an adventure, right? And uh, uh, they just dropped a behind the scenes thing on Disney Plus for for Willow, and it's hilarious because it basically portrays Warwick Davis as this uh, prima donna. <laughs> on the set like like he's like everybody's afraid of him and he's like out to get people and uh you know the uh the the wand from the movie the like the the yeah, curly yeah. wand he has mm-hmm. that in the show and part of it is uh you know finding Alora Dana Danin and and teaching her how to be you know how to use magic and stuff and so she uses the wand a lot and so they have this whole thing about how he's jealous of that actress and, and like they show like security footage of him going through the prop room, breaking the wand so she doesn't have one, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's awesome. it's hilarious. So, you know, they, they've got the, uh, they've got, uh, Val Kilmer obviously can't be in it. Yeah. Um, yeah. he has a lot of medical issues if he's still alive. I think he's still alive. Yeah, uh, I know that he is. did the, he did the cameo in, uh, Tom Cruise presents Star Wars, A New Hope. <laughs> and... Spoilers for that movie if you haven't seen it. Yep. It's fucking Star Wars. <laughs> it really um, is. I used to I used to hit what is it, Womp Rats with yep. my yeah, yeah, tea, yeah. blah 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 back home. They're not much bigger than that little hole in the desert. Um so uh but Val Kilmer's not there, so they have his kids, which are twins, mm. uh, are in it. Uh, and then uh, you have a bunch of other characters. The sort of the Val Kilmer role is played by this huge guy who is uh, Asian, I think is mm-hmm. is what he said. Um, and he's hilarious and he's very clumsy, and, but he's also like so damn funny. There, there's mm-hmm. one point where like everything is about to come to an end, and and he's like he's with these two characters, and he goes and he's tow- he towers over everybody in the whole show. And and he's like, oh, look over there. There's a storm. Yeah, a storm's coming. What do you think is going to happen now? Well, probably death, destruction, blah, blah, blah. You guys want to make out? 
<laughs> and they're kind of looking at him and they just go, Let, you know, let's do this. Let's say, you know, what's the plan? Well, I had a plan. You guys ignored it. What do you, what do you, <laughs> he's just, he's so funny. Uh, so it's just, it's a good show. It's a, it's a good mm-hmm. fun show. It doesn't take itself seriously. You don't have to know a lot. You can just kind of sit down and watch it and, and have fun with it. So awesome. yeah, they even got, uh, uh, Kevin Pollack. I think oh, okay. is the character to come back as the brownie. Yeah. Oh. Um, oh, you're the stupid Dakini I stole the baby from. Are you taking a pee-pee? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah he comes back for a minute. Oh, cool. So, yeah, it's fun. It's fun. It's on Disney+. Plus. Uh, fun is the word that comes up every time I think about it. Okay? Yeah. It's just fun. <laughs> so go check yeah. that out. Willow, Disney+. Plus. Awesome. Nice. Yeah, I, would, yeah, I, I haven't yet, but it, it's on my radar. But, yeah, I will go check that out. That's awesome. So how about you, Brandon? What's your pick? Um, interestingly, my, my pick is is also a TV show. Um, is also something that I watched up here on Disney Plus, although it's a Hulu thing. So I don't know if that means you folks would watch it on Hulu, but um, we don't get that here. So I, uh, my pick is uh, the show Reboot, not the old cartoon. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, that's uh, on that's on Hulu here. Yeah, Hulu. Yeah, which which is about um, basically like it, it, I think it's actually Hulu in the show is bringing back. Um, an old eighties or nineties sitcom, you know, with all the original stars. And cause there's this um, young writer played by Rachel Bloom. Who's like, you know, I really want to bring back this, this show that was all very campy and full house style, but I want to make it a little more real and have the characters have real problems and, and, you know, make it a little more relevant for today. Um, and it's got folks in it like, you know, like Johnny Knoxville and, and Keaton Michael Key and, and you just, and Paul Reiser and you just did like, I, the nemesis and I watched it and we went into it it was supposed to be just like our kind of dumb fun show of the week and it's hilarious, but there, there are also moments it is so incredibly heartfelt at times. Um, like the way they fig like, like little stuff, like the way they figure out how to navigate the writer's room. Cause you've got, you know, you got Paul Reiser's character and you got Rachel Bloom's character and, you know, they have their own interpersonal stuff that I, I don't want to spoil, but you know, they're obviously different ages and different generations of writers and they both bring in, their own team of writers and Paul Reiser brings in like all these old folks who are like in their eighties that he worked with. Um, and then Rachel Bloom brings in, you know, these kind of new up and coming writers, um, you know, from a variety of backgrounds and there's this whole episode of them. They have no idea how to communicate with each other. And then by the end, like that spoils anything by the end of the show. Um, every time you see the writer's room, they're no longer sitting opposite each other. They're all interspersed. And then, and, 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 and it happens very organically because they just, they really get to know each other. And, and so you get all this like behind the scenes stuff with the show and like, like some of Johnny Knoxville scenes are the most compellingly heartfelt in the entire show, which you wouldn't expect for Johnny Knoxville, but he freaking kills it. Um, and, and, and it, and it gets really real about this, you know, about studio stuff and, and, you know, the idea of bringing back a show and what do you do when you're, you know, you know, you haven't worked in 15 years and you're trying to come back as an actor and all this stuff. And, and it, it is both hilarious and incredibly touching and i really 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 hope it gets a second season um because it, it's it was absolute magic this show so I, I can't speak highly enough about it so yeah reboot also on disney plus here in canada or hulu for my american uh compatriots and the actress in that i think is judy greer yes judy greer yeah and she's amazing like, from archer uh, so she plays one of the characters in archer that's been oh like that. yeah that's right yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I haven't seen her in a whole lot of live action stuff. I know she's done live action stuff, but to my I can brain, think of like cameos. It's there always Archer. Yeah, Archer. Yeah. Well, she was in um, Big Bang Theory at one point, um, and the most recent Halloween films she was in too. I think. Oh, okay. I think. Yeah, maybe. I think that was her. 
but yeah, I mean, yeah, she's awesome too. Like, her character comes in and, and like left acting to go. Um, she ended up, she marries like some like Icelandic prince, some sort of some Scandinavian thing. And that goes to hell. Um, and so, so she's like, I got nothing else going on. So I guess I'll come back and do this show. And, 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 you know, and, and then very quickly they bring on another, like a new character who's, you know, female character, maybe like half her age. And so there's that whole thing of like, yeah. you know, okay, am I being replaced? What do I do? And, and they handle it really, really, um, really, really intelligently. And, and, um, and also hilariously at the same time, but yeah, she's fabulous in that as well. Uh, I, I like to mention it every once in a while, uh, just, you know, for shits and grins, but I actually met Rachel Bloom. Really? Yes. At the Hugo Awards. Really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she was at the Hugos for uh, Fuck Me Ray Bradbury. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Which was a song that she did in a music video. Uh, That's and, awesome. And uh, it, got, it got nominated, so she was there. I'm impressed that she went to the Hugos. That's awesome. I was too. I was like, oh, wow, someone's actually like a Hollywood person's here. But then, yeah, you know, George R. R. Martin started the trend of, of like certain people from Game of Thrones showing up every year. So, yeah. 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 Thanks, George. Yeah, I also got to meet <laughs> Neil Gaiman that way. So. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I imagine he, he hangs around the Hugos periodically. Mm-hmm. 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 I would think. Super. I'm just mentioning this stuff because, you know, Tracy would love to get a nomination so she could go to the to the Hugos for Best Fan Cast. So, I mean, as you folks should. And wants to, I mean, like, I, I, I would feel, <laughs> I feel good about that. I just, you yeah. know. They would give me a little warm fuzzy. So, <laughs> um, surprising perhaps everyone, uh, my pick of the week uh, this week is actually a movie. Not a television show, still kind of bad at television. Uh, but this is this is a movie that my 80s. husband and I, as soon as it, huh? From the 80s? But, no. <laughs> that as soon as my husband and I knew it was coming out, we're like, okay, we have to see it. And it so happened that last night, um, Coram was off at his part-time job and Deirdre was off at a sleepover with friends. And we were like, date night in the house. So we ordered in some Indian food and we watched Glass Onion. Um, oh. So it, it, it's, it's been out for several weeks now on Netflix and a little bit prior to that in theaters as well. And a, a lot of the discourse surrounding it has been about is – is Glass Onion better than Knives Out or vice versa? And I think that's the wrong way of looking at it because the more I try to put it in that kind of frame, the more I realize that it's kind of an apples and kumquats comparison in that they have only two critical things in common with one another. Obviously, Benoit Blanc and the other is rich garbage people um, who have created problems for themselves and end up getting sorted by Benoit and a young woman. Um, and so that's, that's sort of it. That's other than that, they, they, they have, I mean, cinematically speaking, they look very different, you know, it's a brighter environment though. It's, you know, the cold weather, warm weather thing, completely different set, totally different cast. Um, I think in a lot of senses, Glass Onion has more of a sense of humor about itself in a, in a sort of more obvious way. A lot about Knives Out was super funny, but in a blink and you'll miss it kind of way. Um, but I think Glass Onion is more unapologetically driving for humor and, and sort of absurdity at the same time as it's saying some really bitterly angry, trenchant stuff about how people of wealth and privilege use the system to kind of continue to hide their own uh, ineptitudes and kind of benefit from other people's work. 
So really enjoyed it. Um, if you're into a sort of Agatha Christie locked room mystery sort of thing with a variety of twists, some of which are not hard to anticipate, but still really fun and satisfying for how they contribute in the end, I would check out Glass Onion. Yeah, I would second that. Janelle Monet is phenomenal in that film. She really is. And she just, it's sort of silly um, that she didn't yeah. get nominated for Best Supporting Actress. Like that really ought to have happened. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. I'm late to the conversation on that, having seen it after she didn't get the nod. But now having seen it, I, I understand why people are as upset as they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that's quite a slate of picks. And we've given people lots of lots of viewing material here. So, all right, Brandon, you've got stuff coming up uh, from Arkham Gazette in the not too distant future and, mm-hmm. you know, a whole beginnings of a plan for yourself for more Catalyst novels. Where can people find you and find all the cool stuff that you're bringing into the world? Um, so easiest place to find me is uh, my swanky new website since my last time I was here, uh, which is just brandoncrilly.com. Um, it's got links to all my stuff. It's got links to my newsletter if, if people are into the newsletter sort of thing. Um, I'm still nominally on social media, um, on uh, Twitter and Instagram, which is my name. So I'm, I'm easy to find. Although, to be honest, I'm barely on social media these days. Um, mostly just to, you know, uh, tweet the occasional announcements. So yeah, so brandoncrilly.com would be the best one. Um, and yeah, I should have throughout the year, more short fiction, more fat goblin stuff. Um, and, uh, yeah, some stuff that hasn't been announced yet, which will be uh, hopefully very exciting and very cool. But yeah, so if you want any of that, that's where to find me. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. It was great to see you guys again. What on earth? Hey. Hey. Oh, oh, hi, Patrick. Tracy, what are you doing to the bumper? Uh, fortifying it. Duh. This is because we just talked to Keith Amon about defending your lair. And? And I started thinking about that time beyond the trope, tried to take over. Yeah, I... I act cool about that, but I guess it kind of got to me after all. You do realize that building a... what? What is this? It's a palisade. Right. You realize that physical fortifications are not a way of protecting and preserving the podcast into the future, right? I suppose. Oh, oh, what about weapons? You're kidding. You have two Hugo Awards. Those trophies are very pointy and probably excellent for close quarters combat. Oh my God, you're not kidding. You can't tell me that you don't look at those trophies sometimes and think about how good it would feel to just poke them right into Sean Duke from Skiffy and Fanty, huh? Huh? My therapist says I need to give my worst impulses space to be entertained intellectually but not acted upon. I would totally act on that. But there's a problem. I don't have a Hugo Award trophy. I don't even have one of the tiny stabity nomination pins. Patrick. Patrick. Why are you grabbing me by the collar? Why am I narrating about it? This is audio entertainment, Patrick. Just give the cues. Patrick, I need that Hugo trophy to help you defend our layer. Podcast. But layer, podcast, whatever. We need to make sure the listeners know that nominating for the Hugo Awards is a great way to contribute to the SF community and honor content creators they like. Maybe even the functional nerds by nominating them for categories like Best Fan Cast. Please let me go. Oh, sorry.
Would you feel better if we also told folks that interested listeners can go to the current Worldcon Facebook page for more information? I cannot actually pronounce that name of that current page, but they're in China. Oh, or, or they could skip straight to finding the Chengdu Worldcon on the web at en.chengduworldcon.com. You know, you're stronger than I thought you'd be. My neck hurts. <sighs> Walk it off, Hester. Here, here's a hammer. We've got work to do. Let's take a second to talk about Beyond the Trope. If you're looking for another podcast to listen to, we recommend Beyond the Trope. Giles and Michelle have been putting out episodes for a really long time. Not as long as me, but don't hold that against them. They have a lot of great guests, just like we do. And they put out their episodes on Tuesdays, just like we do. They also have a Patreon with a bunch of extra content for backers, which is really cool. They have a Redbubble site where you can buy stuff. Also cool. And I just wanted to throw it out there. Beyond the Trope. Check them out. I think you'll like them. So there. Mr. Carpiers, you got it right. How about that? Yeah. You can call me Cannoli Joe. If you've if you've never listened to the podcast, there there's there's two different styles here. There's there's Tracy who does prep work and comes up with some very thoughtful questions, and then oh squirrel. Oh, for God's sake, Patrick Louise. <laughs> Are you okay with me recording you today for the purposes of this podcast? <laughs> okay, that's probably a good enough signal. <laughs> when someone comes up to me and says, "Hey, I really love what you do," I'm like. I'm sorry, do you know who I, like, I think you have me confused with someone else. The whiz bang and the gosh wow and the sense of wonder stuff. My favorite thing about time travel is I actually had a time travel joke for you guys, but you didn't like it. I'm so excited.